0: The following is part two of a two-part podcast, so if you're interested in understanding what's going on, make sure that you're caught up on the previous part. And all you gotta do is uh, heed my uh, words of caution and not do the things that I did. Always make sure that as much as you care about your friends, you can go a day without them. God, I remember. The worst days of that were when I was so jealous. This was right after the, the, when we all met up at that lodge in Delaware there were days where I was so jealous that I would actually, this is embarrassing. I—I I, This is like crazy ex-behavior, except we never even dated. Um, mm. Was I would actually wake up, I'd, eyes pop open, okay, in, in my parents' house, and I would think, he's playing League of Legends with somebody else, isn't he? And I'd go to that League Tracker thing. I don't know, it was some website. Yeah. There are a million websites. And you can see if people of a given username are in-game right now. I guess they pull from the API or something. And I would actually get angry when the... I was asleep. Like, th- there's no rational connection here. I was asleep. Yeah, you
1: were codependent.
0: Yeah, exactly. And by the way, he was three hours uh, ahead of me over on the East Coast, which means that even assuming we woke up at the same time, which we didn't, he woke up earlier than me relative to his own time zone. Too, He'd be up hours and hours and hours before me, and I wake up and I'm angry that... Um, that he's playing League of Legends with a mutual friend, with a person who we both like. Yeah. You know? Very, very silly. If you see yourself engaging in that kind of behavior, people, you need to... It took me a while to get over this, too. You got to slam the brakes on this, all right? Take a a couple of days offline. Go to a local event. Make a new friend. One of the big problems Mm -hmm. is that I didn't think I could make another friend like that. Yeah, I could. And I have since then. I did it. I've made healthier friends since then. Way healthier friendships.
1: When you're in that world, it's so hard to imagine. It's like when you're dating someone; like it's so hard to imagine meeting someone as cool. Like you can't really imagine like the people that you're gonna meet.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now I'm not levying any blame at that guy, by the way, because he was net. So normally the story would be he made me feel like there was no one else who would be as good of a friend to me as him. That never happened at all. He was always encouraging me to go and make other friends. He was good. He was like, "Hey, uh, you know, Vosh, my actual name, by the way. You're, you, I feel like you're. This relationship is unhealthy. I feel like you're, you know, uh, being codependent. Maybe you should try to do this. You know, maybe you should, uh, go to this live art drawing thing. Maybe you should go to this, go see a movie with this person or something or other. So, no, yeah, like blaming. he
1: recognized it was unhealthy.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure." He was way, way more socially competent. than Wait, I take that back. He was a socially incompetent buffoon. But in this specific respect, <laughs> he was very prescient. He was good. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway. So at some point after all of that, after I'd gotten closure, after I realized that I could make new and better friendships in a healthier way, I stopped caring. And I don't think I'm ever going to be like that again. I don't think I think that's the one and done mistake. It's like the chicken pox. You get it and you're good. Um, so I, or at yeah. least I hope that's the case. I hope I'm not 58 and, uh, and this whole shit happens over again. Um, and I'm glad by the way, because if I hadn't gotten over that, if I was still like pseudo friends with that guy now in the same position now that I was five years ago, I wouldn't be able to do the streaming job. I would be way too vulnerable to criticism online.
1: I almost feel like that was, that was kind of like your coming of age moment. Like if someone was going to make a movie about, about your, your life, right? Like that would be the story. Um, that would be like the moment, I guess, you really became you.
0: That was probably the most emotionally resonant moment in my life. Well, it wasn't a moment. It was a multi-years long process. But the whole thing was definitely the the growing up story, Um, which is fine. It's, I mean, it's a little embarrassing in retrospect, but I think that everybody has moments in their life that are embarrassing.
1: Everyone has stuff like this. Yeah, exactly. Every single person. Except for Destiny, Destiny would never have this, right? No, Destiny um, doesn't have any
0: awkward moments in his past. I can, uh, I can. No, uh, of I course not.
1: Um, but yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. I think it's cool that you look back at it, um, that honestly, and I think it's really important when you're when you're growing and as like we become adults and all that stuff to have that attitude about our past and not just automatically victimize ourselves in every situation. Um, but uh, what would you say to someone who said that like your attitude about um, strength. Not saying that this is my perspective, but um, but that your attitude about being strong or not being weak is kind of like the language you're using is 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 kind of like a remnant of toxic masculinity.
0: I would say that they're only looking at the semantic words that I'm using rather than the meaning I'm trying to convey, because nothing, and I have never once over the course of my streaming career encouraged people down a road that is like uh, even resembling toxic masculinity. Like posture, mm-hmm. don't show your emotions, you know, strength over everything. That's not what I go for. I like conviction, I like consistency, I like moral worth. Those are the things that I think really stand out about a person. Um, but in terms of like the toxic masculinity thing, I feel like I kick back on that pretty much all the time. One of the things that I like doing on my stream is looking different than many other online leftists. Now, I get called a fat soy boy anyway, because there's no getting around that, but most of the online lefty people, except for like, I guess, Bo of the Fifth Column, that's the one real standout that I can think of, um, are kind of like, you know, you know, they're like theater kids. It's, you know, it's like the yeah. colored lighting and the so on and so forth. Whereas I'm loud, racuous, boorish, aggressive.
1: And you've got like a Viking kind of look, right?
0: Yeah, you know and uh, I you know I work out, I'm loud. I feel like I project masculinity more than most people um, do in this space. And funnily enough, um, uh, Abigail Thorne recognized this in her coming out video where she was like, oh, and I get messages from people and they're saying, oh, you're like my lefty masculine icon. And Abigail was like, sorry. <laughs> Whoop, nope. <laughs> hey, well, that Oops. was fun. <laughs> well it lasted. So Was I that feel,
1: video not like the best thing ever?
0: It was a great the, coming I have, out video. I have never seen somebody handle coming out with more grace than uh than I she literally had. cried
1: watching that. It was amazing.
0: It was pretty it was pretty extraordinary. If there was any portion of my life that was um that was coordinated as effectively as she had that, then I would, then I would be a trillion sub YouTuber. Okay. If I had even a fraction. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine. I have no patience whatsoever. I talk about anything and everything. If I, Oh my God, if I was a content creator, I realized I was trans. I'd be screaming about it from day one. I feel I'd be like, well guys, day one of my transition vlog. And I'm sure that it would be a disaster, but Abigail, a little bit more composed than that. Uh, handled it pretty well
1: i've noticed that a huge part of what you talk about in your advocacy in general is about trans people right Mm. and you're not trans yourself right am am i correct on that i'm
0: not trans i don't know these 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 (laughs) vultures aren't gonna get me i
1: want to get canceled um but so is there a particular reason why you talk so much about trans issues is there something that connects you i guess to to trans people in that way
0: yeah, it's it's not that I have a connection to trans. I have a lot of trans friends. I think I'll say this much. I think trans people are funnier than cis people. I think that um, suffering <laughs> tends to make people funnier, and it's not that every trans person suffers. It's probably why
1: Jews are funny, right? That's
0: prob that is probably why Jews are yeah. funny. Yeah. So you know, you find a trans Jew, and you've got the whole you, you got it covered. Really though, I yeah. feel like I mean, yeah, controversy. The darkness. Yeah, I think that one of the core components of humor is the ability to empathize with other people because if you can't then you don't know what other people laugh at and empathy is a tool that is sharpened through personal experience and trans people have personal experience so i don't know maybe they're funny i don't know just my personal opinion the main reason though it's not because i have some like special affinity for trans people it's because they're the bulwark at the moment if it's not trans people they mm-hmm. go down and then it becomes gay people and if it's not gay people, then they go down. And then, I don't know, we start talking about the civil rights era again. The discourse yeah. around social progressivism will always hyperfixate on the most socially aberrant group at this moment. And if you can defend that group, then you would defend by proxy every group that came before them. If you like, there, there was never in America where trans rights are upheld, but gay marriage is revoked. That can't happen. It's not possible. You have to go through one, then the other. There's no way to get around that. So if you defend mm-hmm. the line, if you hold the line, then you don't have to worry as much about the groups before them.
1: Yep. No, I think that that's very true. Um, do you mind if uh, we get into some of your controversies? Oh,
0: sure. I mm-hmm. love my controversies. I feel like they're half yeah, of what sure. I talk about.
1: Um, <laughs> well um all right i i had to do all this research because i actually knew nothing about your controversies beforehand um so i had to do a ton of a ton of research right Mm -hmm. um and so number one i guess is on the list is that the the list is uh the the um, archive
0: yes the litany the
1: the archive um so uh you were accused of a sexual harassment right Mm -hmm. Um, so like could you tell us a bit about what happened with that? Because not not everyone knows. I know you probably like like, oh, I talked about this so much. But
0: no, it's not cool. everyone knows. At this point, it's all um it's all been like uh it, it's been said so much that it's just So yeah. basically like uh four three three and a half years ago, um, I was a non content creator and I was on Destiny's server and I was talking around there, I made a friend. That friend, uh, was I'm not even gonna name names. I made a friend, okay, a, a lady friend, and um, uh, uh, we were friends. This was early university, I think. So what what would that have been like? Three? It feels like three and a half years ago is an acceptable time for him to put this in. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, this so this what I'm gonna say here is going to feel like an excuse. I it's not okay. I want to make that perfectly clear. This doesn't absolve my behavior in the slightest. But the time period when this took place was the time period right before, or sorry, right after everything that I just talked to you about with my friend from high school. So yeah. I was uh, not in a great mood, to put it very lightly, and I was very insecure about my ability to make new friends. So I, um, mm-hmm. so anyway, I was, with, with this friend that I made, was just excessively and cringingly and flippantly sexual um when talking to her into to to an extent which i think undeniably constitutes harassment um the log the logs are all out there and it was bad behavior and there's really no getting around that and um after some time of that for for reasons which um for reasons which actually were unrelated to that behavior we stopped talking i think we had a disagreement over like what feminism meant or something like that i don't actually remember the specifics but um, sometime after that, uh, we, we stopped talking to each other and we stopped being friends. And then life moved on. I forgot about that, I guess. And uh, I started to be a content creator, you know, started live streaming. And the person yeah. with whom I was previously friends still didn't like me. I think that's a charitable assessment of her position on me. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, tried to essentially get me canceled by having those messages like sent to destiny and then Destiny did a big stream going over them, which made me look bad, which, you know, because they were bad. It's <laughs> uh, funny how that happens. And, uh, and yeah, the fallout from that uh, has been known uh, uh, henceforth forevermore. But that's basically the gist of it. It's been a while, though. There might be some details that I'm forgetting, but I think that's about the gist of it.
1: Did you ever, like, apologize to that person for, like, all that stuff?
0: Well... <sighs> I eventually did write out, an apo- the, so the, the legacy of this is a bit complicated. Initially, it was difficult for me to apologize because I was blocked on everything, and also because the person to whom I had behaved inappropriately was odious to me in other and largely unrelated ways that made me um, hate her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when this all... you were resentful all... already. Right, for reasons unrelated to, to the, the, the mm-hmm. cancellation harassment thing. So I hated her mostly because of personality differences and disagreements on critical issues, which made it feel like, oh, she's out to get me. And that contributed a lot to a lot of really toxic behavior that I engaged in to begin with. Because rather than seeing it for what it was, which was bad behavior being made public, it felt like I'm being sniped by the cancel mob. I don't think cancel culture was even like a term that people used back then. But um, I w- yeah. But if it was, I would have used it. Um. <laughs> Anyway, it took me a little while, but I calmed down, um, and I still did not particularly like this person for a wide variety of reasons. But um, I was blocked on everything, and they put out a list, where, or she put out a list, where she said she would like only accept an apology if I like donated ten thousand dollars to a charity, or and like deleted something. There was some list that got put out, which was. Very, very silly. Like, she would only accept an apology if I acceded to some ridiculous set of demands. And I think she asked me to contribute an amount of money that exceeded the contents of my bank account. Um, So, we're not doing that. Eventually, I wrote out a big thing where I explained the totality of the situation. And at the end, I do levy an apology um, directly to her, which I'm sure she's read. I have never gotten a response to that. I imagine she still dislikes me. I still dislike her. But the apology that I wrote there is completely sincere.
1: Yeah, like that's such a tough situation where, um, especially when you've ended a friendship and there's probably stuff that you've done wrong. But like there's this defensive thing that just happens to all of us where all we can think of is how we've been wronged in those like particular incidents and stuff. So like how would you encourage someone in the like, you know, because I'm sure we've all done shitty things in the past. So how would you encourage someone or give advice to them about how to prevent your mistake in the future for them?
0: Well, I mean, owning up to it is obviously important. I think one of the, oh God, I see so many people make mistakes in this and I feel like a poser making these arguments because it seems hypocritical because I've fucked up on this in the past. But generally speaking, I think one of the big issues is that people take a lot of their internal emotional world and they project it onto everyone else. So the reason why I behaved the way I did was in large part because everything that took place was fucking embarrassing. It's really embarrassing to have Discord logs leaked. Especially when you're behaving. Yeah, that
1: I was doorway. gonna say having That's... logs leaked, especially if you're sexting, like that sucks. That really and sucks.
0: For what it's worth, that person uh who who leaked those logs didn't want Destiny to show them publicly. Um, I don't know if Destiny had heard that and decided to go on with it anyway, or if he had not heard that there was a desire to keep them private and just went ahead with it anyway. But the whole Mm -hmm. massive public spectacle wasn't something that was anticipated or desired by either party, myself or that person. Um, So things got out of hands regardless. And it's so embarrassing, maybe deservedly so, sure. I'm not saying it's not warranted, I'm just, ugh. So um, I projected a lot of that onto other people. It was so embarrassing, the only way to get around it was to frame that situation in a way in which i couldn't be culpable for it because if i'm culpable for it then i own up to the embarrassment and that's not happening and that led to Mm. the when i went on Destiny's stream i like tried to defend my behavior um which was obviously not good so what you need to do when you fuck up like actual fuck up because most of my controversies are me being right and other people being mad at me, okay? That's like 98% of it. Yeah. Not always the case, as, as, you know, as we are here. Um, but if you actually do fuck up, you really have to take a deep breath, like a super, super deep breath, and you have to talk to some people around you, okay? Not so they can give you pats on the back or be your like, cheerleader or be your training coach or whatever, but just, just have a conversation with them. Just chill out for a second and think not about today, not about tomorrow, think six months from then. Think two years from then. How is this going to play out? What's the out here? And what you're going to find is, if you actually think about it that way, your out is never deny, deny, deny. Okay? It's never going to be some weird posturing defense. It's always going Mm -hmm. to be the most concise, contrite, uh, forthcoming, and straightforward apology you can provide. And that's what you should always aim to do.
1: Yeah. I think that's really fair. Um, has this, this might sound like a weird question following up from that, but is, has this changed your approach to, to flirting? Right. Like since that incident?
0: Um, so what I did with that person could only in the most uncharitable possible world be called flirting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, it hasn't changed and I'm my I'm sure, from your on...
1: perspective, that's what you were thinking, right?
0: Well, in my, in my mind, because I'm an idiot and still am, but not to this extent. When I was back then, mm. I was thinking, "Ah, I'm just being like cool. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> okay. I'm just being, you know, I'm being a cool dude." That's, I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. So that's that's where my brain was at. You know, um, it hasn't really changed how I flirt because when I'm actually flirting, I like, try to put effort in. I put, you know, I put work in. I try, I, I, you know, I, ang- I. Analyze the angles, you know? Um, it definitely has uh, changed how I talk to people online, though, because following that, so that was like what you'd call a legitimate cancellation. Fine, I'll take it. I'll take the mm-hmm. L. But there have been many attempts afterwards to try to force L's on my forehead. People run at me with like yeah. a, a brand with an L on it. There are people who will fake screenshots. There are people who will yep. doctor logs. And at this point, it has reached the point where I do not talk to any, anytime a fan says, oh my God, you're so cool. I just like send a heart, I ignore. I don't talk to anybody. Because unfortunately, and I, I cause sometimes I see this happening too. I see people whose only server they're in are servers that I know have like right-leaning political affiliations and they'll give me like fake yeah. messages. They'll give me like, hey, you're so hot. Can I see your fat dick? And I know, <laughs> I know what's gonna happen if, I, if mm-hmm. I engage with this person. If I respond to anything, they're going to push for it. If I provide a nude, they're going to say, I'm actually 12, and then screenshot it and put it on Twitter. Okay. So the only yeah. response that you can do with these people is just ignore a block. Ignore, block, ignore, block, ignore, block. That's all you can do, you know?
1: That's a, I've had the same things happen to me, just like running CC where people try to, they try to get some kind of blackmail on you, right? So they try to entrap you in certain situations. Um, uh, but I don't know. I I feel like I almost had a privilege of being female in that situation because, Uh, Women were were just like so trained already to be suspicious of any dude messaging us um, that I think probably it's harder for like guys that, you know, um, either get power in some kind of way or uh, some kind of online presence to have to, you know, turn away, you know, women that, you know, might be potential, you know, like flirtations there. So I could see that.
0: Yeah, you uh, definitely are trained to be more concerned. That is true. For a lot of, this is one of the reasons why there are so many fucking, like, groomers in the Smash community and stuff, okay? It's because mm-hmm. playing video games obsessively gets you zero pussy until you reach the video game 1%, okay? And that can be a very jarring transition for a lot of people. They spend their entire upbringing doing nothing but playing in their dingy fucking basement. And then all of a sudden, they either because they pop off in a stream, they join a team, they do a tournament, all of a sudden they get incredible amounts of uh, of attention and publicity and media and what have you. And a lot of them just lose their minds. They're like, oh my God, this is it, finally. I've been starving in the desert. I've been dehydrated. I've finally found the oasis of pussy. Except, of course, uh, because these people are undiscerning uh, and uh, often just don't care, it usually ends up to some sexual inappropriate behavior or like grooming minors or some shit. I think that does lead to it. A lot of it is because, um, like these guys, have it in their heads that there's nothing for them, and then suddenly, when there's anything for them, they latch onto it. It's like an incredibly toxic reaction to a sudden burst in fame and popularity. But, like, I think you like get where that comes from, right? Like, kind of the way that, uh like, um,
1: it's like it's not good, but you can understand it.
0: Well, it's not necessarily that I understand it. It just seems like a natural sociological reaction to what's taking place. I feel like it's a big mm-hmm. problem with shared communities as well. The Smash community is particularly susceptible because, like, Smash is a party game that's played by people of all ages. So, fans of yeah. that game are going to be of any age. Whereas in the past, it was like, if you're an adult, you mostly just hang out with adults. But if you're an adult live streamer, who the fuck knows who you're hanging out with, right? Like, it so could because be of this, would you say? Age group.
1: So because of this, would you say that you don't think? I guess uh, content creators should, you know, sext or fuck their fans.
0: I think there should. I think they should be extremely cautious with the these engagements. The reason why I say that rather than something super essentialist like they should never is because I do know some content creators who had fans. Who they ended up developing relationships with over a long period of time. And I think they've formed relationships that are equivalent in value to mm-hmm. what you would expect outside the content creator fan dynamic because they were handled responsibly and because nobody was being weird and exploitative. Now there's no way to guarantee from the outside that um, that's what's going to take place as opposed to some really weird like predatory behavior. So the only thing that I would suggest is that if you're in that position, just be unbelievably fucking careful and like, real, like, <laughs> uh, like I don't know. If you go to a con and you if you go to a con, okay, like a, like Anime Expo, okay, and you got your soda cup, you know, and you're running to go to a, a, a Smash tourney or whatever, and you run into somebody, okay, and you, the soda cup goes everywhere, and they're like, oh my god, and you look at them and it turns out it's meant to be, and they're like, oh my god, are you Smash Player 88? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, oh my God, I'm such a fan. Do you want to like go get another soda with me? I don't know. I can't I just if love finds a way, love finds a way. But just be careful with it, okay? Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, I always say that it's like it's generally a bad idea. To me, it's just like the cards are not in your favor in that situation. But there can be other things that can weigh it. You
0: know? Yeah, like it's like uh it's like dating a um another coworker, you know? Like there are a lot yeah. of bumps that can happen there. If you're super careful, you can make it work ninety nine percent of the time there's going to be an issue. But if you can make it work, if you're both very careful and diligent, then like, okay, I'm not going to find a person who's been dating their coworker for two years and then try to like beat them both to death because they broke a rule or something yeah.
1: so that being said, like has it i think I think you're in a poly relationship right now, right? Can I cry?
0: Uh, which it's a open relationship, but it's COVID. So we're not doing anything.
1: Okay. So, um, but does it like make, has you, have, has you like getting, getting a large platform, I guess, and Mm -hmm. being a big content creator now, has that made flirting and meeting people like harder or easier by consequence?
0: It hasn't affected it. I didn't have a problem with any of this beforehand. And I, once COVID's done, I still won't have a problem with it. Um, so i i wasn't like waiting hand and foot on the youtube dividend to pay out in you know um Mm -hmm. so i i'll be fine um but uh i i can i can understand like how it could be frustrating for some people to get like messages the kinds that i do and have to just ignore stuff like that unfortunately that's just one of the trials and tribulations of being a content creator you know it's like james charles i mentioned this earlier but james charles probably gets a lot of flirty dms from underage guys I'm sorry, James Charles, but you make three quintillion dollars every single day and you're one of the most well-known makeup figures on Earth. Um, this, just ignoring those messages, it's just going to have to be... That's, that's one just of the prices the, you pay. The price of entry, exactly. That's You're just going to have yeah. to leave that on the table. I'm sorry, you know? If you want, you could retire and be worth an infinite amount of money and not have to deal with that, you know? just That's also an option.
1: Yeah, that's true. So, like, how... How do content creators in general, right, um, how are they supposed to meet people in a responsible way then? Because, like, they still need to get relationships and sex and all that stuff.
0: You mean, like, regular people or, like, if it's a fan? Because if it's regular people, you can Just go out anyone. to outings. and I mean, you can use dating apps. You can go out to outings. You can go to—nobody goes to bars anymore. But if you're a content creator and you're a large content creator— you probably make enough money that you're going to have options to meet people that wouldn't be accessible to a lot of other people. Um, but find things in your area that are like in alignment with your interests. You know, If you're a large content creator, you probably live in a big city. That's probably the case, um, just from the way these demographic things trend out. If you live in Los Angeles or whatever, you are surrounded at all times... With day after day after day meetups and hangouts and events and niche group activities that are oriented around your interests. For me, for example, they could have anything to do with art, painting, hiking, exercise, miniatures, Warhammer 40k, card games, video games. Um, and hell, you know what? I used to box. I bet if I uh spent a couple of months getting back into shape, I used to box. Yeah, for about eight years um
1: oh, that's crazy
0: Could probably get back into that probably not going to pick up many chicks at boxing mind you just my experience with the sport but uh you know it's all an option and if you're a content creator by the way you could probably do to go touch some grass anyway so
1: m- maybe I say, like the, all these things require going outside you know so it's i would like some there. alternatives asking for a friend
0: it's rough out there uh alternatives i mean there are always dating apps right
1: can someone who has, like, a big online presence just go on a dating app? Yeah, sure. Like, are they just get... going to get trolled?
0: Well, um, I, it depends on how big you are, right? If you're, like, Logan Paul, then probably not, no. You're going to get recognized by almost everyone. If you're PewDiePie, then probably not. But at least at 350,000 subs, I'm nowhere near being recognized by, like, every single single uh, in um, in my city. So, you know, that's fine. I do notice, though, you can tell who knows me because they uh, super like me on Tinder. That's how I know. I decline every super like because I know it's a fan. Maybe one in a million, it's somebody who just super liked me because they like my beard texture so much. But if not for that, mm-hmm. I know it's because they know who I am. And I, and I and I know that, too, because their bios always say they're a socialist. So I always swipe left in those. Sorry. No no free convos. I have an email. You can get to me there. Okay,
1: so are you saying that my viewers have a chance because they, they're all monarchists? Right. Yeah, Anxiety. maybe you have
0: a more ideologically diverse audience. Maybe they can slip <laughs> one by you.
1: Okay. Good to know. Um so um some people feel like some people have felt that you've are you argue uh you've often argued that you should be free from criticism um because of all the good you've contributed to leftist causes. Like would you agree that you have that sentiment?
0: God no. No, I've never said I should be free from criticism. I've said I should be free from stupid criticism. That's what I've said. Which I do believe, Yeah, that's by probably where it comes from. Um, <laughs> no, uh, criticism is good. I learn a lot from the process of being criticized. I'm totally fine with that. Do you
1: think that should be taken into account? Like, you know, a consequentialist view of, like, all the things that you've contributed versus the shitty things you've done?
0: Well, I, or do you think that's,
1: like, an entitled approach?
0: Well, that's the thing. I do believe that. But when it comes to, like, the content that I do and the good I do, I don't think I do, like, bad. When it comes to the political advocacy, not to say I've made personal mistakes, cancellations, you know, uh, fuck ups notwithstanding. When it comes to the actual stuff that I do in the online sphere, I think that my existence here is almost uniformly good. I think that I have a lot of controversy, but a lot of it really is just people having no idea. Out, out here, here and what be like, it all comes back doing. to dialogue. Oh, the there, um, but the criticism itself isn't the issue. It's just, it's not informed criticism. All you have to do is mm-hmm. search my name on Twitter and you will find people raging at me for things that have nothing to do with me or who I am. Like, they're so alien, so completely divorced from any of the things that I believe or advocate for, that to me, they unironically, they come off as satire. If I saw them in my own subreddit, I would assume it was satire. But it's not. The The people are making the jokes unironically.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, but how do you separate the legitimate criticism versus the illegitimate criticism because i really struggle with that
0: i mean mobs online probably aren't going to give spectacular criticism in general so you should probably just find a small group of people whose input you trust and rely on them to tell you when you're taking the l or the w uh but like broadly i don't know the um i feel like a lot of it kind of hinges on the extent to which you're comfortable in your own process of introspection. Because if you're Mm -hmm. not, you're always going to defer to other people's understandings if you have an issue. Um, And if you go the opposite direction, you're not introspective and you're unaware of that fact, you're never going to take any criticism at all because all criticisms will come off like bad faith to you, you know? I don't know if there's like a one and done answer to this. I don't know if there's like an easy catch-all solution. All I know is that there is a difference, a meaningful difference between good and bad faith criticism, and that distinguishing between the two is necessary if you want to improve your content.
1: yep. Um, I think something it'll just be something I have to learn over time. Um, has when I'm sure that you were really critical of content creators before you know you got successful yourself. so um has the way you criticize um, like other creators kind of changed now that you know what it's like to be the one that's being criticized?
0: Yeah, I'm way harder on them. Oh my god, I'm so oh, much harder on them now. I that was not them. what I expected. I hate them so much more now. Holy shit. Um, because the more familiar Why? I've gotten with content creation and the more familiar I am with the online space and how people handle these issues, I feel like other content creators don't go nearly far enough in cultivating their, um in their communities, and directing people towards, like, good ideas. Because I, I, man, before I started doing online content creation, I thought the online left was a generally okay place. I had no idea how cucked the online left is. It is so, so bad. The online left is less effective at pushing for socialism than the online social democrat crowd. Like, it is, it is unbelievable how incompetent and how ignorant the online left is. I, I genuinely feel sometimes like I'm an oasis in a desert. Like there are very few other communities that I actually trust to have anything even approximating good ideas on this. And I blame all of it on the content creators because they're the ones who enable and facilitate this. I have gone from liking to hating so many content creators and they all deserve it and they'll all get their just dues in time.
1: So there's not a part of you that starts to get, like, empathy, at least for, you know, bringing someone down and, like, knowing what it feels like to have this mob against you?
0: No, fuck them. These people are making hundreds of thousands of dollars selling bullshit to their audiences. I have no respect for these people. No, whatsoever. Not to mention all the shit that I have to put up with. I am undeniably, un-un-inarguably the most hated person in the online left. In fact, some days... I think that outside of legitimate political figures, if you're only looking at content creators, I might be the most hated political content creator, proportional to their size. I think that's actually a defensible position. If I can handle this, then I think that other people can handle my criticism, okay? But other people, they will. Like, flowers. When I get angry, then these people freak out when they get meaningful criticism. Um, because what they want to do, and this is the central, you know, tenet of my criticism... What about Contra? I have surpassed Contra in being hated a long time ago. Guys, you people are way behind the times. The central criticism I have is that a lot of lefty content creators really do seem as though they're just interested in building some social space. They want to build like a cute, tight-knit community with its in-group and its out-group. They want everyone in there to be like friends, and like, they want their clout. And they don't really care about broader pragmatism. It's just about building that brand. Um, and I hate that. I really do. The conflation of a political space and a social space is just, it's very destructive for the online left.
1: Do you, is it fair to say that you see yourself kind of as like a political advocate? Or like an activist?
0: I'd call myself an advocate, not an activist. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everything that I do, now there's no denying that I build my brand as well, but I never build my brand at the expense of a broader understanding on an issue. Every day I do my best to try to discuss, describe, and present issues to my audience in a way that I think furthers their understanding of complex topics. I never sacrifice that deliberately with the intention of facilitating the growth of some community. You know?
1: Mm-hmm. Um Well, one of the biggest criticisms that I've heard about you, right, is not to do with any of those controversial moments, Mm -hmm. um, but it actually just has to do with your style. Um, But I'm guessing that that's also what's probably made you so successful. So it's like a double-edged sword, right? Like there's been criticism of you having like a condescending style and like the way you debate. Um, And is that like an intentional thing, like on your part?
0: They call me condescending because they don't like being the one who's wrong in the conversation. It wouldn't matter whether or not I was condescending. These people would still hate it. I mean, what's a non-condescending way to tell a person that they're a fucking idiot and everything they say they understand is completely incorrect? I feel like the, the problem is, is that non-condescending disagreement is relegated exclusively to good faith conversation. But if you're having a bad faith conversation with the morons that I deal with in this space, then there's not really any room for me to criticize them outside condescension. For example, like recently, I was arguing with a tanky who seemed to unironically believe that, like, Marx would have approved of what Stalin did. Or that, like, Marxism, um, uh, uh, like, pr- necessarily precludes anti-democratic measures. Now, I, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what I'm supposed to say here. Do I say you have no fucking idea what you're talking about, but, like, non-condescendingly? How do I, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. The prop, people don't come on my stream for, like, chill conversations most of the time. They come on here because they hate me and they want to own me. And then their communities get angry when they are the ones who end up getting owned instead because, unlike them, I'm actually accountable for the stupid shit that I say, so I know it better than they do.
1: do you, so do you think that that's a part of your appeal? Like, of being condescending to these people with, as you say, like, bad ideas?
0: I suppose, but I don't know what the alternative would be. How, how do you not be condescending to people whose ideas are this unformed? It's, like, it's not like we're having a chill conversation Then I start screaming at people. You can go look through my convos for the most part, and I mean 95% of them. It's usually me being pretty chill and just pressing them on issues and asking questions and challenging their ideas until they start freaking out. And at that point, the fireworks start. But people just get mad at that latter bit because what they really want me to do is roll over and just agree with their perspective.
1: I guess like the attitude that helps me um, from being like that is I know for me, like when someone talks in a condescending way and I'm incorrect, I know that I'm less likely to change my mind. Right. Because my defenses start getting put up. Um, So like the walls go up and then no idea can penetrate through. But the the biggest attitude that's like helped me in general with that is just reminding myself that education is a privilege. Right. Having the correct opinion. Is sometimes a privilege that is only afforded to certain people. Uh, and I don't know, you pro- I'm guessing you probably disagree with that. Um, but especially, like, I and that has to do probably because the topics I deal with are often like really complex, like Israel Palestine. So I'm not just going to automatically think someone's dumb or an idiot because they don't know like the intricacies associated with it. Yeah, it so takes
0: time. It really depends on what a person is talking about here. If a person is trying yeah. to discuss some incredibly niche or nuance or complex issue, I'm not going to fault them for not knowing everything. I mean, I don't know everything about everything. But those aren't the conversations that I tend to have. The conversations I tend to have usually are people having extremely basic misunderstandings about concepts that they could have Googled before talking to me. That's the frustration that I have, you know? Like, I never get to the nuanced arguments. I never get to have the nuanced arguments. The last time I had a really nuanced discussion with another leftist with whom I had disagreements was, um... Oh, come on, guys. You remember her name. What's? Well, they'll remind me in a second. Um, uh, Zoe Baker, yeah. But what's an Arco pack? There we go. Yeah, an Arco pack. Yeah, that was a good conversation. But beyond do you that, notice
1: that your views drop when you have those kinds of nuanced conversations?
0: Yeah, sure. Most of the people who watch me want blood, definitely. Um, but if I had conversations like that every day, then I wouldn't be known as a condescending person. Those people deserve. Oh. Like nuanced discussion. Most of the people who come on just don't. How many genocide deniers or Nazis or people who think that black people's brains are smaller than white people's brains do I have to talk to before there's not, before, like, where, where, when is the condescension legitimate, essentially, you know?
1: Yeah. And I do have to say that I don't think you've been condescending or rude at all, like, in this talk. So you've been really nice. So thank yeah, you for that. I
0: don't think I've ever been condescending to a person who I wasn't arguing with, because I'm not I'm not a condescending person. It'd be like calling me a I feel like I don't know. This may be a like a dumb example, but I feel like it would be calling a person violent because they're like a drafted soldier or something. They may engage in violence, but it's not because it's in their nature. It's because the situation calls for it. I'm not condescending by nature. A lot of the people that I have on deserve nothing but. So if as long as we're not with those people, it should be fine.
1: Well, I've heard you say before that you used to be worse, right? You used to be way more aggressive and that you've kind of like chilled over time. Um, How did that chilling over, like, how did that happen?
0: Oh, um, even the people with whom I feel I was too harsh are people who probably don't deserve anything more than my scorn. Like talking with Nazis. The issue is it's (laughs) just important rhetorically to set up dunks a little bit better by not being angry to begin with. You never want to give the impression that you're angered by your opponent because that's what people want. It gives them an excuse to ignore your position. Very often, debates come down to who is made angrier faster, and that person loses. Um, And uh, if you get angry too quickly, it makes it harder to set up dunks as well. You have to think faster because your brain is muddled. As long as you stay chill early on and properly set up the incoming condescension, the well-deserved condescension, I feel like you come off looking much better. You come off looking really bad if you start off the conversation angry. Like I did the first time I talked to Sargon.
1: Oh, so do you regret how that talk happened? Oh yeah, the first time,
0: sure. But then I learned from that time, and then the second conversation I had with Sargon hurt him so badly that he went ahead and made a video saying he would no longer debate bread tubers because we make money. That's when you know
1: you've done well, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you learn from the first time, then you go ahead with the second time.
1: So... Um, I think we talked a little bit bit about this before, but um, do you think a debate can ever be productive or do you think entertainment?
0: Well, I think that entertainment can be productive, much in the same way that Mm -hmm. like a fun television series can imbue moral character into the people who watch it. I think that an entertaining debate can still push people in positive directions. For example, even if I have a shouty, screamy debate, let's say just a, or just talking blood sports debate, Nothing real beyond that. And um, we have that conversation. And there are two benefits people can derive from that. One is that in the process of yelling at this person, I might have said something, procured some piece of information they didn't know, in which case they learned something. And the other possibility is that there are people watching who were on the fence beforehand who got moved over to my side. Now, I don't think the yelly, screamy, shouty blood sports debates are the best for moving people over. But if we're just talking in the purview of entertainment, It could be they were only drawn in because they found my arguments more eloquent, more entertaining. If you bring that over, I would say that it's fundamentally productive. You've not only enriched your audience, but you've expanded it, and you did so through entertainment. I think that's fine.
1: Yeah, that's like I because I'm a history streamer. So I, I really hate how we teach history in school because so many people think history is boring. When I the, my favorite thing about history are all the stories like they're the most extraordinary stories. And I wish we taught it in a more like linear form, you know, instead of like, oh, the state happened and the state and this. Um, so, yeah, totally agree. I wish that more we would combine education with learning a lot more than we do now. especially well, yeah, that's why more-
0: nobody pays attention at school, right? Um, yeah. it's so cliche that it's kind of a meme, but like the, um, the, uh, Kurzgesagt videos, I feel like demonstrate some basic physics or scientific or anthropological concepts better than, um, than you could usually get from your average, like hour or 50 minutes in a high school classroom. Uh, and that's of course, because, you know, what's that phrase? If I had more time to prepare, I would have given you a written, I would have written a shorter letter. The more time you spend on something, the more opportunity you have to make it concise. Um, but usually, the way we present information, whether it's on history or sociology, is incredibly dry. I mean, we could probably work on that.
1: Okay. So, as the head of BreadTube, right? I think, do, do you identify that way? The head of BreadTube? For
0: the purposes of this conversation, let's say that I do. I actually hate okay. the term BreadTube, but we can land with it.
1: I actually just learned about the term last week. So uh, yeah, I'm, I, am i am brand new to it. Um, but I, for a long time, like, I just did not know what people were talking about. I thought it was like some kind of foodie thing. Um, but, uh, what, what are some common lefty takes that you would say you really disagree with? Like things that are just considered standard.
0: Oh Christ. Oh God.
1: Am I about to get you canceled for the second time?
0: No, no, let's, okay, let's talk about it. All right, let me just organize my thoughts for a second. Okay. The idea that the American electoral system is completely undemocratic or that it cannot be used in any way to enhance our goals is flat right, stupid and ahistorical, okay? Marx believed that the American democratic system could be used to peacefully achieve socialism, and that was back before black people could even vote. Nowadays, we do have a more representative system. A lot of lefties completely disregard the extent to which democracy can be exploited in our favor. They completely ignore electoral politics. They have absolutely no care for the way in which elected officials can make our jobs easier or harder. And frankly, they're just generally uneducated in the way the American political system works. They just don't know. It's not even a criticism that I can levy because they don't know enough about the system to criticize it. They just get... Angry. They just get annoyed by its existence. But that is not a political argument. And it's certainly not being woke or whatever. Um, Additionally, the fact that at any point in time I had to argue with people over whether Trump or Biden was better, the fact that that was even a topic on the the tips of the tongues of any leftists online is evidence that this community is fucking dog shit, okay? It is impossible for me to describe the extent to which a second Trump administration could have fucked with the ability for leftists to engage both in electoral and direct action. The attorney bar was looking for sedition charges against BLM protesters, for God's sake. There were measures being taken to implement, like, nationalistic white supremacist education in our high schools. The idea that Trump's uh, second term would not have made it harder for us to advocate for our interests is just ridiculous. He would have made it significantly harder. If Biden is nothing but a breath of fresh air, if Biden is nothing but a breath of smoky sewer choked air, that is preferable to what we were doing with Trump even in the brief respite that we had. Additionally, hating America is not a political position. Sorry, America is not the root of all evil in the world, okay? Political principles dictate how people interact with each other, and America is not the only country capable of enacting on these systems, okay? The idea that being anti-American is the same as being like pro-worker is completely delusional. I swear to God, half- Huh?
1: really agree with I really agree with this one i it's something I do on my stream a lot is I talk about how so many problems uh world problems people blame the United States for and i I, I will not defend America for everything I'm not American myself but a lot of those just are actually like the British's fault but like it, America just takes like it should be yeah, noted.
0: America does do a lot of bad. It's worthy of Mm -hmm. criticism. We're not saying don't criticize it. But it doesn't do all bad things. When you say that America does all bad things, you're implicitly suggesting that any opposition to American hegemony must necessarily be good, even if it's being done in a way that's worse to the people it affects. I swear to God, half the online left would have joined up with fucking Nazi Germany when they heard that they opposed American imperialism. You know who did, actually? There were large contingents of the Irish... Who actually did support Nazi Germany in the early uh, hours of the war because um, Nazi Germany was posed to destroy England, which Ireland hated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sorry, this is, uh, that, is, that is not a good argument, uh, actually, as it turns out, for supporting Nazi Germany. And I feel like a lot, I, I unironically believe that though. Like if we had a modern Nazi Germany thing and like declared war in America, that they would side with Nazi Germany. I do actually believe that. Um, because we're seeing it happen in real time with China. We have the exact same ethno-nationalism, we have the exact same systemic discrimination against ethnic minorities, we have the exact same economic and military imperialism stretching outwards, we have all the basic warning signs of what could be an incredibly powerful and dangerous totalitarian country with an incredibly strict surveillance state spreading out across Southeast Asia. And most lefties won't even hear criticism of it because they think it's they think it somehow challenges America to be supportive of the development of America's like largest trading partner and another capitalist superpower. Um you have all of that. Additionally, for Christ's sake, okay? The um uh, the online left is not your fucking social club. It is not your treehouse, it is not your social space. It is not a pool from which you date, okay? It is a political movement. Even if there is a person who you despise, that does not mean they don't get to be in the left. The only question that should be answered is are they good for the left? Not Do I like them? And by the way, whether or not they're good for the left is not dictated exclusively by how often and how loudly they repeat all the same 27 virtue-signaling, pie-in-the-sky talking points that you express without any intention of actually iterating on them, or actually committing to them or doing anything in the real world believe it or not, being on Twitter and saying, we need a revolution now probably isn't revolutionary. In fact, it's counter-revolutionary. I'm taking the position. It's counter-revolutionary because people right now are not gearing up for revolution in America, okay? But what you do when you set these sights on revolution as the only escape from our system is you keep them from examining or exploring other possibilities. People who do nothing but engage in revolutionary ideation are not people who are going out there looking to maximize their productivity Other ways. They're doomers. They sit there in their apartments, they stockpile ammunition and weed, and they wait for everything to fall apart so they can be really smug about it online. These are not Vanguard party uh, members, okay? These are not our fucking ticket to the revolution. All you're doing to these people is you're giving them a combined sense of doomsday, like prophecy ideation, and a sense that any participation now is useless because someday the real dice will be rolled when the revolution begins. (sighs) If you want to win a revolution, by the way, you need far more people than the online left or the left in general in America has now. And you get that by making your social space amicable to the interests of people who disagree with you so you can integrate them, which is the exact same reason why if you go to literally any right-leaning or far-right community, you are not going to see them gatekeeping and kicking out centrists just because they're not far-right enough. Those groups are welcomed. Because people will grow accustomed to and reflect the political positions of the communities that they are a part of. So if you allow liberals into the left, they will grow more left-leaning. If Allowing liberals into the left will not make the left more liberal. If you knew anything about history, if you examined even for a moment of your life, anything about the way revolutionary groups formed in the past, you would know this. But the online left doesn't. They don't know anything. They know absolutely nothing. They're just angry and stupid. And they make everything worse for everybody, including themselves. They're depressed. They're drug abusers because they don't know any other way to get their dopamine fixed because they think the world's going to collapse around them at any second. They are untrained in any practical or analytical skills necessary for a good revolutionary. And they aren't even familiar enough with their systems, the systems that they live in, to meaningfully criticize them and bring more people off into the left now. They are worthless. And there is no group of people I blame more than the dipshit content creators who enable all of this behavior by profiting with their Patreon bucks and their fucking podcast links off of this sense of Doomer, uh, this, this, this Doomer ideation. They are the ones at fault for this. They have built a brand off neutering the online left. Okay?
1: What would you say to someone who said, okay, well, Vosh, you're participating in that exact same leftist infighting as you're being so critical over. I don't give
0: a fuck. I don't give a fuck about leftist infighting. That's not, left unity is not my goal. Because even when I disagree with people in the left, they're still in the left. I don't try to kick them out. I don't try to gatekeep them. I criticize their bad ideas. That's good. Infighting is great, as long as you're infighting in a way that leads everyone down the same basic road. And that's what I push for. The infighting they engage in isn't the infighting that I engage in. What I do is I try to make the left better. What they do is they try to make it smaller.
1: So, that was actually great. I hope someone clips that. That was actually amazing. Um... Uh just to pivot a little um because we're winding down to the end um of the interview but uh have you heard about the Jake Paul allegations that have come out
0: Wasn't it um some chick said that he uh was it was it rape and then he like tried to force a non-disclosure I think agreement it was on I allegedly? Remember correctly.
1: Yeah allegedly
0: What um what am I missing about it
1: Um well, do you think that this is going to be the thing that finally cancels him? Um, because it feels like he's just been able to, you know, weed his way out of any any other situation.
0: Uh, I don't know much about Jake Paul's history, but as a general rule, I don't think it's possible to really deplatform mega mega large content creators. Shane Dawson is going to be back soon as well. I mean, for Christ's sakes, I, I keep bringing this up, but it's still like incredible. Um, James Charles... With all the underage predation that he has engaged in, is probably gonna be fine in a year. Mm. I really, I just, I don't think there's much of a system of accountability. The problem is, I feel like people online hyper-overreact to minor problems and underreact to m- major problems. That seems contradictory, but there's actually a reason for it. It's because there are two different groups of people: the kinds of people who will hold their content creators accountable and the kinds of people who won't. Now, People like Jake Paul, whose audience are mostly made up of like 12-year-olds, are not the types of people who will hold their audience accountable. They really don't care. They probably won't even hear about it, frankly, um, because Jake Paul will probably never post a video to his channel directly acknowledging or owning up to it. So um, they won't even hear about it. And then when they see criticism of Jake Paul online, they'll reflexively defend Jake Paul against it. Those people do not care what anybody does. There are people in my audience who are like that as well, I could go ahead and rob a bank and kill, like, six innocent people and run back home, and they'd be like, ha, listen, okay? First of all, it was a meme. Second of all, all right, not even that big of a deal. (laughs) Happens all the time. Third of all, I don't even think it did happen. There are always people who are going to play, like, hyper defense for their content creator. And on the other side of things, there are the types of people who are fastidiously obsessed with canceling everyone they don't like over the tiniest infractions. And that usually mm. comes from people's anti-fan base. Now, Jake Paul does have a huge anti-fan base, but I don't know if that's where his money is coming from. I don't know if that's where the discourse is going to be centered. Um, everybody has... So what's
1: an anti-fan base? I'm sorry? What's an anti-fan base?
0: It's what I have. Um, the fans, but opposite. <laughs> it's what I have more of than I do regular fans. Um, but, uh, and those people try to fastidiously cancel people over nothing, over anything. I, um, just today I saw this post where Marion Williamson said there are no words and posted a picture of a really beautiful bird. And then I replied to it, it's a bird. And somebody quote tweeted it saying, I fucking hate Vosh. We need to get this fucker out of the online left. What a stupid piece of shit. And got thousands of likes because I said it's a bird. That's real, by the way. These people will try to take somebody down no matter what they do. So I think we need need a healthy balance, okay? We need less anti-fans who will try to religiously cancel anyone and everyone they don't like, but we also need to encourage regular fans to be more critical of the people that they watch because it's infuriating for people who extol a certain set of values to be fans of a content creator who is a rejection of those values and they don't care, you know?
1: Yep. No, the, that's really, really true. I spent I, way
0: too long saying all that. I apologize.
1: No, it's okay. It, it, honestly, I'm stuck on like, you saying that you think Shane Dawson's going to come back. That's kind of crazy. Oh, no. After
0: oh, 100%. The- yeah, 100%. He'll come back. He'll do some, he'll do some big 43-minute video of him tearing up. And he'll say, uh, you know, I've changed. I'm sorry. I was so lost back then. But I spent some time. And he'll discover something new. It's going to be religion, it's going to be horses, it's going to be hiking, it's going to be something new, and that'll be his ticket back in, and then he's going to come online, he'll get a wave of criticism to begin with, people will quote, tweet, people will get tens of thousands of likes, but eventually that'll fade away. And a smaller but still very large portion of his original community is going to go back to watching him, and uh, we'll all be uh, none the wiser. It's going to happen.
1: Well, if you're just looking back at your career, and you just... And you think right now, especially like all the stuff. I don't, I mean, you didn't come from rags, right? But still like you were someone, you were someone in someone else's community, right? right. Like, and we were all that at some point. And now you're like this huge success um, that people recognize you in, I mean, you said not on the streets, but I guess at, at least on Twitter and an online platform. i am been so recognized really recognize
0: on the streets a couple of times. It's actually pretty I funny. Even through is the it, mask. Is it a
1: good feeling for you or scary?
0: Oh, it's always fun. I, I, don't, I don't mind. What are these fuckers going to do, attack me? Um, no, I, um, it's, it's happened a couple of times, both in California and in Washington. And um, it's, uh, uh, it's usually when they hear my voice, actually. In fact, uh, recently yeah. I was shopping and I was talking with a sales associate and my voice was recognized by a person who helped work in the animation that plays at the beginning of every one of my YouTube videos. We just happened to be in the same place at the same time. Uh, He just heard my
1: voice. So is there a part of you that's just like, holy shit, this is insane. Like, this is crazy.
0: Oh yeah, it's wild. I can't wait for uh, COVID to be done because I imagine there are even more people who would have recognized me if it weren't for the fact that I was wearing my mask. 90% of the time when I'm out, I'm not talking after all, you know? So we can have even more fun with that and go around, explore the place, you know, have a good time. And, uh, you know, I'm working out. Anyone comes at me, I'll uh, tackle them. We'll be good.
1: Yeah, like for me, the moment I had more than like 30 viewers, I was like, what the fuck? This is insane. Because if you just imagine like those 30 people in a room, it's like a lot of people. Um, so I can't even imagine how you feel like with thousands of people who watch you.
0: Yeah, it's, um, the funniest thing, actually, is the online friend circle discourse, because, um, uh, 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 Hyena, uh, has a friend in Australia, and that, and I talked to that friend once. In fact, I think that friend was actually on stream once. I played Phasmophobia with some people, including him, but, um, he once said that he had mentioned to his friend group that he had played Phasmophobia with Vosh, and apparently all of his friends knew who, who I was already. And now they're like, oh my God, no way. And it's like, okay, it's on the other side of the planet. I only have 350,000 subs. I mean, we're not talking millions and millions here, but apparently that just happens. It's really, really wild, Um, but I enjoy it. I mean, I love attention, so I'm not gonna complain.
1: Is there, um, is there something, if you could, I mean, obviously you can't, but is there something that you would tell your pre-famous self as you were just starting to be up and coming, like if you could?
0: Yeah, come up with a better analogy to demonstrate why um, child slave labor is bad. I think that'd be probably the big one. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's good advice. Um, And just in general, what what advice do you have for newer content creators like me or just anyone else who is hoping to get into this world? Um, Like, not necessarily how to do it, but how to handle it, you know?
0: Um well it can be really difficult obviously i think that this is like a such a forehead answer but i feel like some people do need to learn to log off i get emails like this sometimes people will say oh i have this little channel i have this little twitter account and we were getting brigaded by nazis like like hundreds of them they're leaving comments sometimes people have this 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 weird need to like be present for it like it's a train wreck they need to watch you you don't If you're, seriously, if you're a small content creator and you're ever getting like mega brigaded, some really bad shit's happening, or just some drama that you don't want to engage in, just take a day and don't look. Just don't look. It doesn't happen if you don't see it, huh? It's just chill for a second. A lot of people feel like they have to be present for all the suffering that takes place. But the suffering is what happens when you observe the harassment. It doesn't happen on its own. the harassment unobserved by you doesn't affect you, and thus there is no suffering. So you just need to take a deep breath and not engage with it. Some people they're so 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 insistent, they have to like re- reply to everything, block everything, don't if you're so if that's an issue, just just chill for a second. It's not like, oh, you're being a cyber bully, turn it off. It's just take a day, just one day. it can make a huge difference, and also. Isn't that kind of like ignoring the problem? No, the problem is observing the problem. That's the problem. That would be like saying that if you see, if you if there's like a fire outside of your house, you have to put your hands into it because if you don't, you're ignoring the problem, which is you being burned. Well, it is by engaging with the problem that the problem is created. So, hands off. Um. So anyway, be careful with that. The other big one that I would say when it comes to dealing with all of this is you have to understand that Nobody cares as much about you as you care about you. This is just a good general rule for social anxiety. People freak yeah. out when they embarrass themselves, and that usually leads to them doing worse things than they would if they've chilled out. My poor reaction after the sexual harassment drama was because I freaked out. It was because I was embarrassed. I had a need, a f- urge to downplay everything, because it was because I was projecting all of my... Uh, internal criticism onto everybody else. If you just take a second and reflect on the fact that the criticism that you receive is coming from people who don't think about you in all likelihood as much as you think about you, the love that you receive is also in all likelihood coming from people who don't think about you as much as you think about you. It's all filtered. And if you don't treat it as though it's filtered, if you take it as though it's distilled, you're going to end up very much overemphasizing everything that comes your way. And that's great until it's not. So just don't do it to begin with and enjoy the online content creation process for what it really is, uh, an opportunity for you to have a cool group of fans who kind of like you and maybe even really like you and are just happy that you're there. That's the best way to think about it.
1: It's actually really good fucking advice. Maybe if you you ever get bored with this, you should go be a life coach.
0: Uh, uh, yeah I feel you can like, oh. google my google my name to check my reviews get like 87 threads <laughs> before you actually see the website i'd have to pay google quite a bit to get to the top of that ad, ad listing
1: yeah well thank you so much like for coming this is honestly like really cool it was great to get to talk to you and i appreciate you supporting like a tiny creator like me so yeah that's really awesome of you
0: well shout out your socials because i'm not the one who's supporting oh. you they will be
1: Yeah, well, um, I'm aristocracy, so I'm aristocracy TV everywhere on Twitter, on Twitch. Um, You should follow me or subscribe to me on Twitch. I stream almost every day. I do history content, but twice a week I do these interviews with people I find super interesting, like Gosh. So, uh, yeah, you you guys should should follow me. Um, And I'm also trying to get my YouTube to at least a thousand subs um, in order to uh, get a cool URL and all that stuff
0: yes but, that is important um, yeah.
1: yeah it's really annoying right now my url is like so long
0: yeah u x d f p six seven four yeah why do you do that so on thank you again
1: yeah, yeah thanks Josh. really appreciate it
0: no problem peace